It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners, and glad to call you my friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I am your friend, Mike. So when the economy suddenly stopped in February, you may have found yourself in a financial crisis without knowing where to turn. During a crisis, if you need to get your hands on money, what are your best options? We're going to share our top suggestions in this episode of The Wise Money Show. That's right. And we've got great questions from fans of the show that we're going to be hitting in the second half of the program. We love to hear questions from you guys who want to talk about what you're thinking about. So reach out to us, submit your questions. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. It's 574-222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. And then, of course, all over social media, we get a lot of questions there on the Facebook page and the YouTube page as well. So wherever you're at in social media, you'll find The Wise Money Show. Just search The Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there. All right. So, so I don't know. I don't know if it was different this time. But, you know, the financial, the, the economy seemed to be working pretty well. And I remember making some jokes about the coronavirus and Lyme disease and those sorts of, you know, like there was, we didn't really know if this thing was going to be serious or not. And in hindsight, you know, foolishness. You're so insensitive. Is insensitive. That what you came completely. Up with? <laughs> and I actually think that was Kevin's joke. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it just, the economy just stopped. Everything just stopped. And, and we went from, hey, the, the, the sun is shining, everything's good, the financial markets work, and blah, 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 to, to a sudden stop. And I don't know where this hits you. I don't know if you're still laid off. I don't know if you're back to work. I don't know where you're at financially. But if it hit you by surprise and all of a sudden you needed cash, you needed to get your hands on cash for whatever reason, I don't know. Did you have options? And what are your best options, pros and cons of each? So guys, free reign. If you needed to get your hands on some cash, what are your options? Man, I, I think... Those who have lost jobs, certain industries, um, you know, obviously have been hit harder than others. But um, this has created a crisis for millions, millions of people, not just in the U.S., but around the globe as well. And it's part of the reason why the very first reaction that Congress had was to try to get money into the hands of Americans. You know, those Uh, those rebate... Of the big banks. I know. Well, yeah, but... I'm talking about the the stimulus checks, the $1,200 that went out to taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And and here's why. You know, $1,200, you might say, well, that's a drop in the bucket compared to my normal monthly bills. Well, here's the reality. Most Americans do not have $1,000 in an emergency fund to be able to to, to deal with a crisis or a sudden interruption to their income. And good grief. I mean, what's more sudden than this just kind of showing up on our doorstep and and wreaking havoc in people's lives. And that reminds me, in 2008, towards the end of the year, it was really, really difficult. Um, There were lots of things happening. 
with uh, in a number of different areas of the business and people we were serving and other things like that. And I had a uh, client who has lots of tenure uh, come in. That's a nice way of saying he's <laughs> he's he had a few years on me, and he. he and he's more probably more of a friend than a than a client and and just a good friend to me and a, a a businessman who decided to mentor me and just help me early in my career so he comes in and i'm thinking well he's going to have some sort of salve to put on my wounds and he says hey i think this is good for you i said what do you mean he said this will make you conservative hmm. and i'm thinking well that's not what i wanted to hear actually <laughs> i wanted to hear something else but he was right and he was right, and it changes this. Let this time change your appetite, mm. because if you have always been a fearless borrower, and you say, "Well, why not? Sunshine, the birds are chirping, uh, the, we we got no problems." Look, no one plans for a pandemic. You you just don't. But you need to have a plan for what if things aren't working as well as they were working in January and February of 2020. Yeah. And so Josh says an emergency fund, my mind immediately goes to as soon as I think, hey, I need money, I think I, I, I'm somewhat of a contrarian. So I think, no, I don't. Budget. Yeah. yeah. I don't need money. Yeah. So I so when my wife, my lovely wife, as we've all my whole marriage, we've lived on a fixed income, a certain amount of money, and she would come to me and say, Hey, we need more money and per month. And I would say, Okay, great. Let's solve the problem, but the solution is not going to include more money. So then, so then we go back to the story problem, and we are asking ourselves a different question mm -hmm. because the quality of the answers that you come up with are going to be based on the quality of questions. I worked with some folks, and they were going to refinance their mortgage. Their mortgage was at 4.5%, and they, got a, they wanted to get a 30-year at 3%. Fabulous because they're saving, uh, you know, a, a percent and a half. Right, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. But we looked, and they had about thirty-eight thousand of miscellaneous, about six different miscellaneous debts, just personal debts. And and we said, hey, you've got enough equity in your home that instead of having a hundred ninety thousand dollar mortgage, you could have a two hundred thirty thousand dollar mortgage. So the after picture was they ended up with a mortgage payment about the same, but by paying off those various consumer debts, they freed up $976 per month. So all of a sudden, the, um, the volume of money that I need to fund my household just changed by about 1000 bucks a month. Yeah. So I look at this and I say, be creative. One of the places that you can get money, if you think of your financial life, you've got one pair of pants and a bunch of different pockets. One of those pockets might be your house in the short term, whether it's a home equity line of credit or I've got a high interest rate, I'm refinancing. I might want to do a little bit of a cash out refi. It'll it'll adjust your rate just a little bit, but that might put you in a position to get a bunch of things paid off. Yeah, and, and that one might not be on the table for you if if your income is completely gone and you can't qualify for a new loan. You know, the, the thing about a home equity line, often you have to have that in place before you're ready to use it, yeah. right? So that has to be some preparation, some planning ahead that you do. 
But I, I love the fact, Kevin, that you went to the other side of the, the coin here. Instead of saying, how do I get my hands on more cash or how do I increase my income? We always coach people that if you have a crisis going on in your cash flow, you don't have enough money coming in, it feels like. Well, let's make sure that the expense side, the outflow side, does not have any problems lurking there. You know, reevaluating um, any of the discretionary expenses that you have in your life that you could postpone or you could cut, that reduces your need for income, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, there may be uh, the ability to postpone or, or to put on hold your mortgage payment. A lot of lenders are giving some flexibility. Maybe you have student loans that could be put in deferment temporarily. There are special rules in place with many lenders, um, especially if you have a federal uh, loan. All that does is it reduces the outflow so that the inflow isn't as overwhelming of a story problem to be solving. I mean, so one of the one of the factors here is you've just got to make sure that there's margin in your financial life. And if you're if you're um, what's this saying? Paycheck to paycheck. Um, if you're living paycheck to paycheck in a pandemic or not, um, you've got to make some adjustments. I would make some adjustments to make sure that you've got some margin. Your first line of defense should be adapting your spending. The second, I would agree. I mean, if you've got an emergency fund, and hopefully you do, that's that's what it's there for. It's a financial confidence account that when when you need to get your hands on some cash because something just came up, You've got liquid resources there available. Then there's debt. We're going to get into that because I think this pandemic and this crisis is changing, possibly changing your ability to access credit. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you needed to get your hands on some cash, did you have it available to you via credit? The world is changing, my friends. We're going to talk about it. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studio, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our YouTube channel, and I'd encourage you to go there, subscribe, turn on notifications, because we're also hosting right now our personal finance course, summer school, e-learning for your kids, your grandkids, or even just you about the five biggest areas that you need to have some foundation in your financial life. So check us out on YouTube. Just search The Wise Money Show. And also, we're, we're sharing the e-learning on Facebook as well. So you'll find us. Search The Wise Money Show. Subscribe there. Okay, so during this pandemic, the economy just stopped on a dime, and you might have found yourself needing to get your hands on some cash, some liquidity. Where do you turn? Well, hopefully you've got room in your budget. There's some margin there. You could make some cuts. Second, hopefully you've got an emergency fund. If you don't, add that to the top of the list when we get out of this pandemic to build that back up. But the third is very interesting. Credit appears to be changing. And I'm going to hit it in, in just a, a, two quick examples. Number one, if you, Kevin, you brought up having equity in your house. So you might have said, I need to get my, some, you know, my hands on some cash and let me just open up a line of credit against my house. You may not have been able to. You may not have been able to because banks may, may have been scrutinizing the value of your home or they may have just not had the time, not really been 
able to respond because of these PPP loans, EIDL, all the financial crisis going on with businesses, I don't think individuals got a lot of attention. The second thing that I would tell you is, I didn't see this personally, but I saw it with another CPA who had a, a credit card, had achieved certain uh, a certain status, which I just hate that game, by the way, but you, you achieve certain status with a credit card, and therefore, he really didn't have a limit on his credit card. And then he got a notice saying, hey, by the way, whatever you've just charged on your last statement, that's your new limit. We're, you know, Whatever do, your balance is. Whatever your balance is, that's your limit. Because of these uncertain times, we've had to basically put some limitations on how much credit we're extending to people. And I know you didn't have a, a limit before, but whatever your balance is right now, that's your limit. So essentially, uh, you just maxed out your credit card not knowing it then. That's exactly right. And, and that can have an impact on your credit score as well. So if you were going to start looking at other credit options, uh, depending on whether or not you're kind of on the bubble or you've got a really great uh, credit score, that could be a limiting factor on your ability to go borrow money during a crisis. Sure. A lot of people look at their credit card as maybe their f- the the fourth bank account in the three bank account system. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, okay, if worse comes to worse, comes to push, comes to shove, I got this credit card and I got a big, huge line of credit on it. So I'm not really worried about that. Uh, that's kind of a doomsday scenario. But the credit card companies are actually lowering credit limits without warning. So if if part of your financial strategy and how you approach things is to use a credit card, then you need to just be aware that might happen to you. And then the other thing that's interesting is companies that do lending, mortgage lending, are tightening up as well. So think about so this is always fascinating to me as the as the demand grows we get into a period where we need the money the supply shrinks because these companies are saying hey we don't want to be risk on we want to be risk off we want to take less risk less risk less risk so they're reducing credit limits they're getting more stringent with borrowers they're saying instead of a uh you know an 80 ltv maybe it needs to be 7 lt 70 ltv and they're saying hey we're we're going to do conforming kind of traditional mortgages uh, only um, I have uh, a client that we were working with that had a a, a thirty year mortgage at four and a half percent, and they had PMI on it as well. And they were um, so they're working with this huge national bank that opened up a bunch of accounts for people that didn't sign up for them. Well, oh, yes. Go ahead. So anyway, they they went and they said, hey, we'd like to refinance. And this company said, well, we'll only do a 15-year mortgage for you. We won't do a 30-year mortgage for you. That's a big mortgage. I mean, wow. this, is, this, this is a big amount of money on this deal. But we were able to, to absolutely, by doing a little shopping, but this is the thing. Um, and a lot of people don't want to do this shopping. So I can't tell you how many relieved faces I've I've looked into through the Zoom camera when I said, "Well, we'll handle that for you. We'll do that. We'll do a conference call with you and your mortgage lender, and let's get it figured out because we can navigate these waters." I've done hundreds and hundreds of mortgages. This is we help people with this stuff all the time. Yeah, 
You know, this is what we're describing is a pretty normal situation in economic crises because the lenders out there, they're in business to make money and to stay, to, to survive and to thrive, right? So if, if a bank suddenly realizes that maybe they're, they have more risk exposure than they, they ever intended or their risk exposure changed because the economy has started to show uh, cracks in the foundation, they take action to fix that. And that may be that they tighten up credit or they um, enhance their, their requirements to be able to get a loan. And so it, it's part of the reason why it is up to you. It, it matters that you keep your financial life as strong as possible so that if you ever kind of got your back against the wall and you need um, some sort of credit options available to you, you still represent a, a viable risk to take by a, by, by a lender. Yeah, I had a client who's, and I've I've shared this story before, but his business was basically shut down. You cannot open your business for business. And he called, and I just remember the phone call. He said, you know, last summer when you were telling me as I was switching banks to get a the biggest line of credit possible, I just didn't do it because I thought, well, we're in good shape. What do I need a line of credit for? Well, a line of credit, it's better to have and not need than to need and not have. Because when the salad hits the fan is not the time to open a line of credit. So one of the things that you may resolve, and I, I would say if you're if you're not keeping a diary or a journal through these times, I would encourage you to do this because this might be it, this may be the hundred year flood. Um, what the way our minds work, we say, well, this happened this year, so spring of next year, the same thing's going to happen, and it's going to keep happening. I I don't know that it's going to, but I'd say as you're keeping a journal of what's happening, keep a list of things that you're resolving to do. Mm-hmm. Whether you can do them now or you have to wait until the situation becomes a little bit more normal, but get those things done. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Love that. Okay, so we've talked about margin, emergency fund. We've talked about then credit. What about investment accounts? If you need to get your hands on some cash, what accounts do you access? You know, there's been given a little bit more flexibility or freedom to take hardship-type withdrawals from uh, investment or retirement accounts due to the CARES Act. You know, you, you have the ability to avoid some 10% penalty. The, the tough thing is you don't uh, avoid the tax ramifications, though. But there is one. If you've got a 401k, the CARES Act made some changes to the loan amounts that you can get from your 401k. And, I, you know, if you're, if, if you're in the point where you're going to need to access money from your retirement accounts... I would put the 401k loan right up there, maybe at the top of the list. If you've got dollars not in a tax-sheltered account, so just a non-qualified blah account, you might access that first if, if you don't have capital gain stuff to worry about. But then you'd look at the 401k loan, and we're going to tell you about some of the unique things that they changed with the 401k loan. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Is a 401k loan a good option during this time if the if your investments are down? 
Have they changed the rules with the CARES Act? Gosh, that's what we're talking about right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every single episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Now that you can finally move about the country and move around, throw those air earbuds in or whatever you listen to and uh, turn on the wise money show on podcast just search the wise money show subscribe to it and rate the show we appreciate it all right so you're in a pinch you need to get your hands on some cash and the 401k loan they've made some changes with within the cares act and makes it uh, i'm not going to say appealing or attractive but certainly an option yeah, more flexible, right? You, you can take larger loans from a 401k. Uh, used to be that $50,000 was the maximum that you could take. They doubled that number, $100,000. There's also provisions to let you not make any payments on that for a period of time. And uh, so this just creates more flexibility. It it postpones the day that you have to start dealing with the, the cash flow crunch that comes with paying back that loan. But um, th- this is an important option for you to keep on your radar screen. Yeah, you used to be able to borrow half of your balance up to fifty, yeah, good and point. now it's you can borrow a hundred percent of your balance up to a hundred. But there's a couple risks. Number one, you might not have a loan of feature available on your four hundred one k. So if you say, "Hey, the, these nerds on Wise Money just said I could do this," and you contact HR, and they say, "Nope, no dice." Uh, then, don't blame us. Right. But call us. Call yeah. us. Because you might have a 401k that doesn't have a loan feature. You might have a simple IRA. Right. Simple IRAs are simple. They don't have a, a, an ability to do a loan. And you don't have a Roth provision. And there are some pretty sweet credits for doing a 401k right now. That's right. Um, the other risk is we've got, you know, what is it, 30 36 million new people have applied for unemployment. And so if you take a loan from a 401k and then you are laid off and you actually don't go back to work and then you say a couple years later, well, oh yeah, those guys told me I should, I shouldn't have old 401ks. I should roll this over to an IRA and you do that. Wham, that money is taxable and potentially penalized if you're not 59 and a half, where if you would have just taken a coronavirus-related distribution, there wouldn't have been a penalty. So big traps here. Make sure you're working with a comprehensive financial planner. Because if you take a coronavirus distribution, you can choose to pay taxes on that a third, a third, a third over the next three years. And just for cash flow purposes, if you get paid every other week, so you have 26 pays. One of the risks that we were talking about, if I pull money out of a 401k, I've got to pay it back. And I can pay it back over five years. And there's interest on that, but I pay the interest to myself. So one of the risks is that I pull the money out of the uh, my 401k and the stock market takes off. And it goes to 30 or 35 and I've got money sitting here, and I'm paying myself back an interest rate of 5%. So if you don't have something meaningful you can do with those dollars, it, then you may not, you know, that that's one of the risks. And if you get paid every other week, so you have 26 pays, on a $50,000 loan, your payments say it's about four fifty, And if you get paid every other week, um, a five-year payback on 100000 the payment's about... 
$900 a paycheck. So you have to look at your paycheck right now and say, hey, would I be okay with this paycheck minus either 450 or 900 for five years? And if you are, then it might be something to consider. But again, to Mike's point, if you lose your job and your company doesn't have a provision in the plan document that allows you to continue paying that loan after you leave, all that's taxable. Yeah, You know, where my mind goes with all of this discussion about tapping into investment accounts, uh, it, it maybe underscores uh, the, the lesson or the preparation that most people really need to be doing within their investments, and that is diversifying where you have them held. Not having all of your investments in a 401k at work or all of your money in an IRA that you manage yourself. There may be, um, it may be wise for you to have some of the money in taxable accounts that they're not tax sheltered, but they're more flexible. You have access to them whenever you need to without a penalty. No one's telling you uh, whether you can or can't access it. Now, this is, these are mutual funds or they're individual stocks. They're, there could be individual bonds or CDs. Money that is accessible whenever you need it for an emergency. However, you're still positioning them for the long-term growth because you're hoping you never encounter an emergency. That's so, right. So, you know, having different pools of money that you can tap into that have various uh, availability, but then also tax consequences. Um, I, I've just seen most of our clients who are the most successful in their financial life, in, in their retirement preparation, they are diversified from a tax standpoint with where they've positioned their investments. And if you've got one of those taxable accounts, one thing that you may want to do right now is take a look at your cost basis, what you have into it, and what the value is. There might be some losses there that you may be able to reset your basis and have some losses that you can carry forward that will help you on a going forward basis. So one of the things early in my career that Kevin said, I, I, I've been blessed to be mentored by Kevin and by Josh, and and Kevin said, um, you've got to fix the roof while the sun is shining. That was That's sort of an axiom that he has shared with clients and shared with me, and, and I always thought that was interesting. And, and it was also kind of tied to the idea that, well, if you need to get a line of credit or you need to get access to money, They'll offer it to you when you don't need it. For but sure. when you do need it, they're not going to offer it to you. So even though we're still very much in the midst of this pandemic, what should you do to prepare for the next crisis? You might say, I'm trying to navigate this one, and I know you are. But we can't talk about this crisis without talking about, well, how would you prepare for the next one? What do you need to put in place? You have to have a foundation before you begin building for the future. And one of the most fundamental foundational elements in your financial life is the emergency fund. You have to have access to cash when an emergency pops up. And by definition, it's always going to come as a surprise. Emergency. If, if it was planned ahead or if it could be quantifiable in the future, that sort of thing, you would have been saving up for it intentionally, and that's not an emergency. It's just a plan ahead kind of moment, right? So emergency assets allow you to, to have something liquid, something safe that you can tap into without fear of selling things at a depressed price right when you need it. Because often the crisis that causes the need is also you know, deteriorating the investments, more long-term investments that you may be tempted to tap into. 
Yeah, I, I I would also say this is kind of a geeky one, but I would be tracking your basis in a Roth IRA. What's that form, Kevin? 8606, baby. Yep. So just in case you need to pull dollars out of your Roth IRA, what 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 a shame it would be if you pull the dollars out, you weren't tracking your basis, and all of a sudden you've got to pay tax and penalty on that. Um, I would be very careful about how much debt you allow in your life. Um, and very easy to say, but one of the things with debt is you've got to make that payment every single month. So it's a fixed obligation, whether you're receiving a pay cut or whether you're furloughed or whether you're on unemployment or not, you got to keep paying that debt. And so I'd be very careful how much fixed expense you allow in your life. I'd also say that now is the time, whether you are in a great financial position or you're one who's affected by this crisis, it is time to be building the skill of budgeting as well. You need to be in complete control of the cash flow, knowing how much money is coming in, what can you spend, that sort of thing. You need to be the decision driver on that piece of your financial life. I hope that helps wherever you're at in your financial life, wherever you're at dealing with this crisis and getting ready for the next one. All right, we've got some great questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Should you be investing your HSA? I don't know. You heard that wise advice right here before. Now we're in a pandemic. What do you think? We're talking about that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. To stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you'll find us online at thewisemoneyshow.com. And then all of our social media, just search The Wise Money Show. Once again, we've got our e-learning course on personal finance going on right now for all you high school and college and young adults, all, all you folks. Um, so be sure to check that out Wednesday at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Search The Wise Money Show. All right, we're into my favorite section of the show. It's listener question time from fans. Dan from St. Joe, Michigan. I've heard you guys talk about investing your HSA. Does the current stock market decline change that opinion? Oh, what a great question, Dan. And a lot of times what happens when the stock market declines is people, again, we're all hardwired to be horrible investors. That's just how we were all created. So what happens in a decline? I say, okay, uh, the market's going down. I need to stop investing. No, start investing, continue in investing, double down, put more money in the stock market. Shouldn't use a gambling term when talking about investing. No, you shouldn't, but um, it's been done before. And so, Dan, that, it, it, it is a great question. You should Now, here's the thing. There are some people whose feelings are hurt right now because they came in in January or February of this year, and they're highly organized, they're go-getters, and they said, hey, here's my 2020 contribution to my HSA, plug it in. And so you plugged it in, and now you're looking, and you're like, okay, your $7,100 is now worth $6,500, and, and their feelings are a little hurt. I remember when Indiana came out with the 529 plan in 2007, yeah. and so a, a lot of people put in 
5000 in 2007 they might have even put some money in in early 2008 so now they had either 5 or 10 grand in and if you had 5000 you could have looked at it and it would have been about 3000 that's right if you had 10 grand it would have been about 6000 so you put this money in and what did people say what did people say so it's interesting because they they look at the container so think of like a cookie jar so they looked at the cookie jar and they said that's a bad cookie jar it wasn't a bad cookie jar those were just bad cookies right <laughs> so don't get mad at the cookie jar when the cookies are awful so and oh by the way the people that stuck it out because they they would come in and they'd say my i put ten thousand dollars into this account it's worth six thousand what should i do and i say give me another five thousand and i say oh that's a horrible idea that i why would i ever do that and the reason why you do that is you want to buy, if you have the resources, and it's a resource allocation question, but if you've got the resources, buy when the market's low. Now, Dan, one way that you can do it is you can, if you're doing an investment HSA, think of your HSA in two pieces. One is I put the money in, I pull it out. That money does not get invested. If you're putting the money in and you're pulling it out for your vitamins and your uh, eyes and your your teeth and your preparation, whatever you're buying, then you you, you don't want to invest that money. It, I, I think that's a first that we've ever referenced. So anyway, so you don't want to invest that money. If you put the money in and say, hey, I'm going to put this money in and I'm not going to use it and I'm going to let it grow, that's the money that you want to invest. Now, the best, our favorite way to invest is on a monthly basis. Yeah. So I'm plugging it in on a monthly basis. I'm taking whatever I want to get in for the year, dividing it by 12 and putting that in and that money is getting invested on a monthly basis. So then I don't care if the market's down, I buy more shares. If the market's up, I buy fewer shares. I think the principle that you're hitting on here or, or should be alluding to is that it's always appropriate to match the tool with the purpose of your investments. In, in any area of your area of your financial life, that's that's important to do. What a lot of people don't realize, though, is that the HSA can be a dual purpose type of of investment vehicle or or tool in your financial life. It can either be that transactional, expense based, more short term tool that you use to cover your your uh, medical expenses as they pop up, or it can be a long term investment type of a tool, more of a growth tax shelter. Kind of an approach and you know with dan asking his question about does it make sense to invest well it depends on what the purpose of this hsa is in your life if you really don't have much set aside to be able to cover your your medical expenses when they pop up it may be that you need to hold on to that cash because you never know when you're going to be having to hit a deductible or cover some sort of co-pays or co-insurance amount that kind of thing um that money should not be invested for the long term because it has a short term potential use. But many other people, um, especially those in higher income uh, situations, an HSA may be an amazing tax sheltering vehicle for you, a great way for you to save some money on the, on the tax return in the year that you make the contribution, but then letting it grow tax free forever using that money even as late as into retirement that 
you know, I, we, we don't shy away from investing those type of dollars. In fact, as Kevin said, no, we get more eager to invest during a, a crisis or a downturn in the market. And as we try to stay a jargon-free zone, I just, I have to say this. So a lot of times you'll talk to someone and you say, well, what kind of health coverage do you have? And they say, oh, I have an HSA. So in, in the most polite way possible, no, you don't. You have a high deductible health plan. And so, you know, the, the, the high deductible is in the eye of the beholder. No, it's not. There, the tax code determines what is a high deductible health plan, and there are, there are very other, various other pieces. So you either have a high deductible HSA eligible plan or you don't. Right. If your plan is HSA eligible, which stands for health savings account, Try typing that into Word. It'll fix it for you. Um, <laughs> if you have an HSA-eligible uh, uh, health insurance, then you can fund, and there are limits. That's it was at thirty-five fifty for an individual and seventy-one hundred for a family in two thousand twenty. If you're fifty-five and older, there's an extra thousand dollars that you can put in for catch-up. So you want to really understand um, this at a, a deeper level. If this is an option for you, this is this is something that your tax planner should be helping you with. Because if you're listening listening to this right now, and you've got an HSA, and you didn't fund it for 2019, and you haven't yet filed your taxes, it's still something that you could do to help you on your 2019 tax yeah, return. I'm, I'm glad you're giving that uh, public service announcement here, because a lot of people don't realize that it is not too late you may still be able to contribute to the HSA for last year. And again, that could be a way to have an impact on last year's taxes, could be a way for you to take advantage of market dips, uh, to buy low with long-term type savings that is just in a unique type of tax shelter. We don't often talk about the HSA as a retirement funding vehicle, but it's right up there with a Roth IRA or using a 401k. This is a great place for you to invest as long as you don't need the money in the short term. And if you're investing, you're keeping all of your receipts for your medical expenses because you there's, a, there's some confusion. A lot of times with health type plans, it's use it or lose it. So people think, well, if I was going to pull money out of my HSA, uh, it has to be for current year expenses. That's not the case with an HSA. You can rack up all of your medical expenses. You could do it for 10 years, and in year number 10, pull money out of the HSA to offset all those expenses you've had for the last 10 years. Good stuff. It, it seems a little crazy, but if you haven't gotten your taxes done for 2019, we can help. Um, it, the deadline's July 15. That sounds crazy. No one's thinking about taxes right now, but if you... If, if you haven't filed your return, we're here to serve you. If you need help, just reach out to us. Uh, you can find us online, The Wise Money Show, or online at corhorn.com. That's corhorn with a K. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a steady trickle of tax returns coming in right now, as, as I've observed. And I think a lot of times people have some sort of call reluctance. Like, they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And I would encourage you, take action today. If you have not filed your tax return for 2019 or 2018 or seven, whatever, take action today. It's not going, it's not a self-correcting problem. It's not going to get better. Uh, we don't have enough time for this, but we're going to start. Mark's 52 from Granger. I think the stock market has recovered too quickly and it's going to drop again. Do you think it's smart to shift my new contributions 
into my 401k to go into stable value investments. Isn't this the classic example of how often the best thing to do in your financial life is completely counterintuitive or the exact opposite? I mean, it is completely contrary to the emotions that are happening inside of you. So the, the question, Mark, is one that we hear all the time. A lot of people thinking, ah, I need to get conservative, don't I? Not with your future contributions. For sure. Your, your future contributions, that new money that has not been you know, temporarily squashed by the market, it, it's brand new buying opportunity. And buying opportunities are best when you're buying the stuff that actually fluctuates a lot. The things that are down, the things that are on sale, so to speak, that's what you want to be buying, not the stable stuff that hasn't even really been affected by the crisis. Yeah, that's a great question. I th- Mark, I can... We didn't need three minutes to answer that question because the answer is no. No, do not put your money into the stable value fund uh, going forward. If you if you wanted some exposure, if if your asset allocation one of the one of the two most important financial decisions you're going to make in your lifetime, one of those is how do I allocate my assets? If you need exposure to stable value. Get that exposure to the stable value fund with some of your existing funds and then put your future contributions into the the stuff that's chopping and going up and down. It's a great question. Hey, are we in a bear trap? The market went down. The market's come back up. The market's gone down, up, down. So what is going to happen? We don't know. We we do know that it's going to go up and it's going to go down. We know that we, we... we don't know what direction the next five or 10,000 points are going to be. We do know the, ne- the direction of the next 30,000 points. That's right. And, and Mark, to give you some discouraging encouragement, um, <laughs> if I can do that, this is not the last bear market that you're going to live through. It's not the last uh, time that you're going to be questioning, well, is it going to go lower? Is now a good time? Th- this is part of the reason why you need to, K- Kevin used the phrase asset allocation or think recipe that you're following within your investments. What's the mix of investments? That's what determines the level of risk that you're taking and the potential returns. That needs to be based on a long-term game plan, probably tied to your retirement since we're talking about your, uh, your 401k here. I would even consider having those new contributions possibly get even more aggressive at, in the short term. But you got to make that decision in the context of your entire financial picture, all six areas, working with your CFP. Great question, Mark and Dan. Good stuff. I hope that was helpful. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.